Thanks for tuning in to Start With Scripture, a Hesed Heart podcast. I'm your host, Audrey Grove, here to bring you scripture reading and application that can fit into your morning routine and your busy schedule. Learn more at hesedheart.com. morning, my friends, and happy Monday. I'm so excited to be here with my friend, Mora. Hi there. I met Audrey at church, and I am so glad to be here today. I'll be married to my husband, John, 25 years in August, and we have four kids. The two oldest are in college and still living at home, and I'm homeschooling the younger two ones. I am thrilled to join you, Audrey, and I love what you're doing on these podcasts. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited you're here. Um, Maura and I have been getting to know each other through church, as well as our church is putting on this discipleship training that we've been going to once a month. And it's been a great way for us to build our friendship and mutually build each other up in the Lord. And I've just been so encouraged by Maura's view of grace and on our relationship with Christ, like having that in a healthy way, it's been really beautiful. So I'm excited for her to be here and to share that with you today, even as we are kind of wrapping up this story with Paul before Felix, the Roman governor. If you remember on Saturday, we saw that Paul had traveled to Caesarea. Now he is on trial before this Roman governor, and we saw his prosecutor, who was speaking on behalf of the chief priests and the elders. He shared all of these crazy accusations that they had about Paul. So let's see Paul's response today. We'll hop into Acts chapter 24, verse 9, and I'm reading from the ESV. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. So Paul starting out here is just saying, they have no proof. And I love this this sentence. I cheerfully make my defense. And the Greek word here can also mean with courage. So kind of like I make my defense with courage. And it really reminded me of the verse we read from Acts 23, 11, when the Lord stood by Paul and said, take courage. So similar here, another word that can mean be of good cheer. And so the Lord is the one who gave him this courage, who encouraged the courage and is now strengthening Paul, even as he is speaking before this Roman governor. And Maura, I know you had some interesting insights about this speech. So what stood out to you about this first section? Yeah, first of all, it's interesting to see how Paul kind of follows the protocol of the day to flatter the judge you're addressing. Mm though his introduction is much shorter than the lavish one offered by the lawyer just a few verses ago. And in these verses, Paul finds himself having to deal with false accusations from the religious leaders, just like Jesus did, especially at the end of his ministry. And after Paul refutes those charges, he takes the opportunity to share his confession of faith in verses 14 to 16, where he says, 
But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. I love how he connects his faith with that of his opponents, the Jews, yet his faith is grounded in his relationship with God, not in a bunch of man-made, man-glorifying laws and regulations. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate when he says that he always takes pains to keep his conscience clear before God and man. That shows me his number one priority is his commitment to God. He was not going to have a lukewarm faith Mm -hmm. that might be wishy-washy depending on the circumstances. He was determined to trust Jesus in all things, not that he could do it perfectly all the time. But as he said, I always take pains doing the best he could as he had opportunity. You know, this is a verse that I take with me during the day, a good reminder of what my priorities ought to be, serving God and others and not my own self-centered ways. All of this is out of a profound sense of gratitude for what Jesus has done for me in his death and resurrection for my sins. I absolutely love that. I think you said that so well, especially that he's grounded in his relationship with God, not these man-made rules, not these self-glorifying rules, but God-glorifying action. I absolutely love that. And that his faith isn't wishy-washy. It's not going up and down. I love that it's not always perfect either. Like you said, he's taking pains. He's doing his best. And as we were reading through this today, it stood out to me that as he's having a clear conscience toward both God and man, as he's living that out, out of God's strength and God's grace, it reminds me of the greatest commandment that Jesus talks about in the gospel. Love the Lord your God and love others. And so he's doing that, having a clear conscience toward both God, loving him and man, loving those around him. And it's something I think you're so right that we could do as well. Remembering our priorities is not ourself, but God and others and loving them just as Jesus loved us. And I know fairly recently you did a study of the epistles, the letters of Paul. So did you see any connections in this speech that we read today to some of the themes you saw throughout the epistles? For sure. This bold faith that he shared in his speech here is very much in line with the rest of his life as detailed in the epistles. As I read, I looked for clues to see how the gospel affected him Mm. and what he was most passionate about as he lived out his faith. Since he told us in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I wanted to learn from Paul ways that I too could live out my faith. You know, and interestingly, he doesn't speak in detail of his personal relationship throughout the majority of his writings. Uh, however, I found in First and Second Corinthians clues that revealed his selfless passion for the faith of other believers and how his suffering for the gospel made him strong. I also particularly enjoyed his joy in Christ and in the faith of the Philippians. All of what I studied in the epistles exemplifies how he could easily say here in Acts 24 that he always takes pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Very cool stuff. Yeah, I really love that. Pointing out that he had that passion, that he had 
passion for not only his his own faith and faith in Christ, but for the faith of other believers. And also the joy he had in Christ, even in the midst of all of this suffering. Really, really beautiful. So let's wrap up today. Jumping back in, Paul continued. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. So coming back to Jerusalem. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without a crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation should they have anything against me. So notice here, Paul is pointing back to what we talked about on Saturday, that some of these Jews from his missionary journey, they are the ones who are angry with him. They are the ones who are stirring up the crowds and the riots. They are the ones with all of these accusations. And yet they aren't the ones who came to this trial. Instead, they sent the chief priests and the elders to go do that. Just something interesting to note. And he continued on, Or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council, other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them. It is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. So Paul pointing back to when he was before the Jewish council, and he kind of spoke to this area of division between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this idea of resurrection. And now he's just bringing that up again, showing that their arguments are very much so having to do with religious law specific to the Jews and not national law that applies to all of the Roman Empire. So Maura, did you have anything else to add? Yes, I, as, as you pointed out, I, I do see Paul again defending his innocence and, and noting the absence of his accusers, which suggests that they really couldn't back those charges against him. And I really appreciate how Paul continues to entrust himself to his Savior's purposes for him. Going back to that climax of his speech when he says he always takes pains to have a clear conscience toward God and man, I hear him saying that he is doing what he could and trusting God to handle the rest. What a great example for us to follow. 100% living out of God's grace, doing our best, trusting God to show up. You completely hit the nail on the head with that, that we do what we can and we trust God to handle the rest. That is exactly it, that we show up the best way we can to love God and love others and trust the Lord, knowing our salvation, regardless of our actions, is secure through faith in Christ and out of that security, we can live in love. I'm just so thankful you were able to join me today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Audrey. This was a very unique opportunity for me and uh, I wouldn't mind doing it again. Yeah, I had a great time. We'd love to have you back on. But for everyone else, tune back in tomorrow morning as we see what happens, what Felix actually rules on this. And I will see you tomorrow morning.